One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Screen time. It's my screen time too. Screen time, screen time. Hello and welcome to It's My Screen Time Too, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming. From Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen, find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Katie. And I'm Deborah. And I have two kids, Jay, he's seven, and Kenny, he's four. And I have three kids, Tony is 12, and Libby and Nate are nine. And they are so adorable, right? So adorable. We like to tell a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are, because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too. What have your boys been up to this week, Katie? So I believe I've told you in the past that even though we live in Florida, we almost never go to the beach. We're like a half an hour from the beach and we still almost never go. But we took the boys a couple weeks ago and or maybe it was just last week. I don't know. Time means nothing. (laughs) And Kenny has no fear. You know how when you have little kids at the beach, you're a little worried about how they'll deal with the waves. Like it's either a love or a hate and they're never halfway about it. Mm-hmm. He was all in to the point where like he would walk out and get totally rolled up, like pushed over, somersaulting and just like pop up and want to do it again. <laughs> so I'm very grateful that he's as strong a swimmer as he is, because otherwise that would have been terrifying. But it was mm-hmm. just so fun to see his little no fear personality. That's so cute. I think you and Kevin got to watch Tony like the first time he ever went to the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're in Minnesota. So that's like a rare and special occasion for us. So yeah, I love little kids at the beach. Well, what have your kids been up to? Getting ready for Halloween, of course. Yay! Before we started recording, I was telling you why my Zoom profile picture is my dog Coco. And it's because my kids created a whole tableau of a home office setting with Coco the dog in a necktie. So she's business Coco. And then in the background is my laptop computer with a Zoom screen up. And then we used every screen in the house to log on to Zoom and put a stuffed animal dog in the meeting. So it looks like it's this Zoom of stuffies. I hope she gets in the newspaper. Oh, because they really invested a lot in this, in this photo shoot. So adorable. <laughs> Can you post the photo on our socials? Yeah, for sure. Yay! <laughs> so you found a really good article for Screen Time in the news this week. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Streaming services want to fill the family movie void by Nicole Sperling, published in the New York Times on October 8th. My main takeaway from this article was to add to our watch list of kid appropriate and family movies, which is like tremendously long for the rest of 2022. I don't know how we're going to do it, (laughs) Um, but it was pretty interesting. So in this year, there have 
quote unquote only been 12 family films released in theaters and there's just two more scheduled and that is a low number compared with historical release releases uh like in 2019 there were 24 family movies that went to theaters so they talk to some movie people and they say this is really bad for the movie business they talk to the streaming people. The streaming people say, this is really good for us. <laughs> We're trying lots of new things. We can do more live action. We can fill in the gaps. We can have content that appeals to all ages. And kind of anchoring the article was uh, Lyle Lyle Crocodile, which was just released in theaters. And those creators put a really positive spin on the fact that there aren't as many movies in theaters saying um it was like less competition so if somebody's going to go to a theater they're going to see lyle lyle crocodile they don't have to compete with a bunch of other movies at the box office and um movies are sitting at theaters for longer than Mm -hmm. they used to and so they're still selling tickets it's just not as much of a selection yeah it's interesting given that we were talking about almost this exact thing in our last recording we were speculating idly about Hocus Pocus 2 and why they would have chosen to take such a big anticipated movie and release it on streaming instead of in theaters and then we just kind of said when was the what was the last non-animated movie that was released in theaters for families and we couldn't really come up with one and it turns Mm -hmm. out that's because there just have not been many I don't know how to feel about it on the one hand the point that studios aren't paying to make these smaller budget films anyway Mm -hmm. and that streaming is a place where they can still get made makes me see it as a positive but if you cut the number of movies coming to theaters then of course these smaller films aren't going to be made I don't know it was kind of a chicken and the egg argument yeah I mean there's positive benefits to both both sides I guess it's tough I love streaming at home it's like so much easier so much cheaper than going to the theater and I miss going to the theater a little bit but not enough to actually go yeah yeah taking a whole family to the movies is expensive Mm -hmm. so you really have to plot it out Plus the turnaround time now between being in the theaters and being available to stream, even if you do have to pay 20 bucks for it or whatever, is so much shorter. Mm -hmm. Do you find, though, it's easier for new movies to get buried on a streaming platform? Like I was just thinking about how we were deciding what to cover for today's episode. And Mm -hmm. we had several options in front of us of like new spooky family movies. And it was kind of hard to pick or to know what would be more promising so we just kind of took a stab in the dark I guess it's a problem with grown-up movies too that they tend to get more buried on streaming services than they do in theaters yeah I think when something comes out it's more of a flash in the pan sort of phenomenon Mm -hmm. than in the theaters when it's like a big new movie that everybody wants to see and there's a more media about it Maybe this is more of a PR problem than a streaming versus theater problem. 
Yeah, they just have so much content. And I think about when I log on to Netflix and I see like the top tier, it's always Mm -hmm. the new stuff, right? Which on the one hand, I understand. But on the other hand, can't you also show me the big stuff? Mm -hmm. I hesitate to say, can't you show me the good stuff? Because that's very subjective. But (laughs) I, I don't know. It feels like there should be some marketing tier involved there to kind of guide me because I'm all for watching trash if I want to be watching trash but I don't want to have to wade through 20 pages of trash to find something good right any follow-up from last episode I posted about this yesterday on our socials but I have to bring it up again we have been watching My Little Pony Friendship is Magic oh yeah and it is still great Deborah. we covered that show in 2017 And I didn't really watch it much with Jay after we covered it, but Kenny has just discovered it mostly because Netflix has a new My Little Pony series. So when you click on it, it then also shows you Friendship is Magic and it is still really good. Nice. That's great. Yeah. And they're still making new episodes. Well, they're making new episodes of this other series do you remember maybe a year ago maybe slightly more than that there was like a and I don't know if it came out in theaters but there was a new My Little Pony movie that was like pretty splashy that came out Mm -hmm. so the show follows the characters from that movie okay nice I like the My Little Ponies friendship is magic is still great (laughs) that's good I would say speaking of things that are great as a nice segue but I don't think I can do that. Burn. Mm, Not to give it all away. (laughs) So today we are talking about the new Netflix release, Phantom Pups. It was released on September 30th. There are 10 roughly half hour episodes. The show was created by Anna McRoberts. She has a long history with the extended Airbud universe as a writer, producer, and director starting in the early 2000s. In fact, she wrote another movie we covered years ago, Spooky Buddies. She wrote three episodes of this series of Phantom Pups, and she directed eight of them. So the show comes... From Airbud Entertainment, a fact I somehow failed to realize before sitting down to watch it. And while it obviously has a lot in common with the Buddies franchise, the Buddies appear to be owned by Disney, while this was released by Netflix. Basic plot is this. Three stray pups, Louie, Bowie, and Chewie, interrupt a seance and are turned into phantoms. When the house they haunt is bought by Freddy and his family, the pups see their chance to make friends and get their mortal bodies back. Why did we pick it? We're always interested in non-scary Halloween fare, and we wanted to see what Netflix had to compete with the juggernaut that is Hocus Pocus 2 over on Disney+. We watched the first three episodes because I legitimately thought this was a movie until the moment I sat down to watch it. Yeah, same. (laughs) So the first three episodes are called one, meet the phantom pups, two, foam alone, and three, 
basketball fun. And listeners, I just need to convey to you what is going on with the titles of these episodes. The show is called (laughs) Phantom Pups. In case you don't know, the word phantom is spelled with a PH. (laughs) So all of the episode titles use a PH for an F. So Boosketball Fun fun instead of being spelled f-u-n is spelled p-h-u-n if this just gives you a hint as to the quality of writing and thought that was put into this series i just wanted to put that out there so to the extent that we can we will try to avoid spoilers (laughs) while going through the episodes one by one before moving on to our general impressions how about you get us started with episode one deborah Okay, this is a, I I can't do it in one or two sentences, but we meet the phantom pups as real pups. They sneak into a seance and they're looking to steal the snacks that this group of people led by a medium has put out to communicate with like their dead pets. And then uh, somehow like an evil old dog who's been haunting this mansion tricks the puppies into going into a portal and he like trades places with them or feeds off their energy or something it was unclear to me and they are like trapped as ghost puppies in this house for eternity or until they can switch places with this evil dog phantom and then <laughs> we see like a series of people who buy the house and are scared off and the puppies realize they have to like be a little more on the down low about living in this house as puppy phantoms so they don't scare away the owners because they recognize the owners might be able to free them from this like limbo that they live in haunt and so <laughs> This kid moves in, Freddie Hazel, with his parents who buy this haunted mansion sight unseen because they're like house flippers, but they seem super bad at it. (laughs) (laughs) So he and his little sister and the parents move into the house and the puppies are trying to not scare the family away. I mean... It's a really complicated pilot, and it should have Mm -hmm. just been the first half of a movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I Okay, so first of all, I did not know that this was an Air Bud show until we sat down and watched it. But it was immediately clear. It has a lot of the same techniques. It uses the same techniques as Spooky Buddies did. Mm -hmm. The three pups are strays, right? Why does Chewie have a collar and Louie <laughs> has a carefully placed hair bow? First of all, that seemed like a pretty glaring sign that they were not actually strays. Right. And they're like recognizable breeds of dogs. Yeah. <laughs> which would get snapped up at the Humane Society where I live. Precisely. Yeah. I was actually kind of sad that they didn't lean into the HGTV element of the Hazel family more. Yeah. Because 
they are kind of like hapless house flippers, but I wanted more of like a send up of Chip and Joanna. I felt like there was a missed opportunity there. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. I just have to say something that's not really related to the plot, but when they go into this house, it's like covered in like disgusting cobwebs. Like nobody's ever been in there in years. Nobody's cleaned it. It looks like it should probably be condemned and they live in it and they don't clean the cobwebs. Like the cobwebs just stick around. Like what? Nobody has like a Dyson. At one point they're sitting at the dinner table, like doing their homework or something. And there's still huge cobwebs. (laughs) Yeah. Terrible house flippers. Terrible parents. It's like negligent. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not so sure about these hazels. Another question I had about the premise. So... The medium that is conducting the seance gets, like, sucked into a portal, right? Mm -hmm. And then later, it's her daughter who is the real estate agent that is selling the home. Mm -hmm. And the medium's granddaughter is, like, really enthusiastic about solving the mystery of the home. Why on earth did they even need the Hazels? Like, why couldn't this be a movie about her? Like, why add this unnecessary step in the middle? I That's a really good question. I don't know. Yeah. There were so many, like, just... Im- I mean, it's a show about three ghost puppies. So, like, it's implausible from the beginning. But, yeah, it seemed like they just wrote and wrote and wrote the script and never, ever edited it. Yeah, I maintain that while it is a show about ghost puppies, there are definitely ways that it could have worked better. Mm-hmm. I I did kind of like the friendship that seems to be developing between Freddie and the granddaughter of the medium. Yes. And that's kind of the central relationship of the series moving forward, I think. Mm-hmm. Speaking of moving forward, shall we move on to episode two? Sure. All right. Oh, this is the one where the title of the episode really gets me. Foam alone. Home alone does not start with an F. You don't need to put a PH at the beginning of home. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the episode is titled Foam Alone because it is a play on the classic children's movie Home Alone. The kids' parents leave them alone to go to new student night at the middle school. And while they're on their own, the house is attacked by two ghost hunting siblings and the kids have to keep them away from the phantom pups. And ooh, Deborah, so many questions. This movie is not set in the past. It is set in the now. Mm-hmm. So the kids resort to all these elaborate Home Alone style tricks to try and keep the ghost hunters away from the pups instead of just calling their parents or calling the police. Mm-hmm. Do they not have telephones in their cobwebby house? Come to think of it, I never see one. Is this the one where they release the closet full of mm-hmm. balls? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's like, I know I complain about Home Alone because it's super violent and it's a little hard for me to watch now, But now Mm -hmm. I understand why we need that violence, because all these hijinks without the violence are just really empty and dumb. Mm -hmm. 
speaking of the ball pit gag, I don't know why I was so obsessed with the lack of plausibility there. So like the thing is, there's the closet chock-a-block full of plastic balls that have been collected by Bowie over the course of his 30 years as a phantom. And when they open this closet, all the balls fall out and they cascade down the stairs and they bury the ghost hunters. It's just one closet, but the number of balls that come pouring out, first of all, they don't just cascade down the stairs. They also come from the ceiling. It just, right. it, it's not physics, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that was the highlight of the episode, I think, for me. Yeah, whoever made that scene really had fun with it. <laughs> And whoever is writing the ghost hunting siblings is having fun with it. Like, these are some good old-fashioned, scenery-chewing, ridiculous kids' movie villains. They are in no way scary. They are just funny and fun. I can't decide how I felt about them. I didn't find them compelling as antagonists, but I did admire their commitment to the bit. Mm -hmm. I think I liked the setup they're living in their mom's like they're adults young adults but they're living in their mom's basement in this like they have twin beds it's a brother and sister so it's kind of a weird looking setup and they don't have jobs because they think they're gonna win a million dollars catching a ghost and they order all this stuff from Amazon and the mom keeps coming down the stairs in a huff and is like, how do you have money to pay for this when you don't have a job? I thought that was a funny bit. Like, it was a throwback to, like, uh, Wayne's World a little bit. It reminded me a lot of the villains from Teen Beach Movie. Do you oh, remember yeah. how just, like, gleefully scenery-chewing they were? Mm -hmm. I felt yeah, the same totally. about these two. Mm-hmm. You might have to help me out with the synopsis of episode three, Boosketball Fun. Is this the one with the vacuum cleaner? It's the one where they are now allowed to leave the house and they get to follow uh, Freddie to school and they okay. help him try out for the basketball team. Thank you. Okay. I watched them all. I binged <laughs> Phantom Bus. And so they're all kind of running together. And this is the one where the parents run into some like loan trouble right or they they determine that like the costs of renovation are gonna exceed their budget and right they, so they think they're just gonna sell the house and move and then the pups who's made so much headway with the kids don't want the family to leave because this family seems like their ticket out of ghost limbo I guess not that we needed it, but taking the pups to school was a good way to expand the world. Mm -hmm. There is an element of samey-seeminess to every episode <laughs> because they're stretching this out over 10 episodes and you know the ultimate goal is for the puppies to become real again. So they keep having like minor successes with turning the pups real briefly and then they get turned back to phantoms. So it was a nice expansion of the universe, getting them out of the usual places to have them be able to go to school with Freddy, I guess, if I'm going to strain to say something complimentary. I guess, how did this family get so far into this home flipping business? Like even their car has like 
is it's like wrapped with the family's like house flipping logo. And then how did the construction costs catch them so off guard? You would think that they would be like tuned into all the industry trends. Yeah. In the pilot, Freddie says that he's been to like three high schools in the past year or three middle mm-hmm. schools in the past year. So we can presume this is their fourth house in a year. So they're like doing this at a pretty quick clip. I don't know. I did like the Ghostbuster technology snafus. That might have been episode two. It's all running together. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the character that I did like that was definitely from this third episode was the basketball coach. Mm, mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for the desperate coach trope. <laughs> but it really did just make me miss the truly funny coach from the Zombies franchise. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just move on. I think I know the answer to this question. Did you like it? It was really bad, but I did have fun watching it. It was so bad. And, you know, I wanted to go back and watch Spooky Buddies or at least listen to our episode about it to Mm -hmm. see how charitable I was about that. But, yeah, this was really terrible. I mean, there's definitely a niche for cute at Halloween rather than scary, which is, I think, what prompted us to pick this. Mm -hmm. But I would rather watch any of the installments from last year's Spooky Lightning Round. Lego Star Wars Terrifying Tales, A Tale Dark and Grim, Adam's Family, or Ghost Rider. But most of all, if you want, like, cute, goofy ghost antics, just watch the old Casper movie. It's still good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was there anyone you particularly loved or hated among the characters? I liked the puppies in their real dog form. And then that made me wonder, is it like a lot cheaper to animate puppies than to work with real animals? I'm sure because the CGI isn't all that complicated. It's not. Yeah. I don't mean to imply that CGI isn't complicated, but... Given the grand scale of things they can do with CGI, the little blob ghosties can't be too high on the list of dif- difficulty. Yeah, and I watched it with Libby, and she she was also disappointed that the dog, like real live dogs, were not in it more. I didn't really love anybody. I was really annoyed, and again, this is all of a piece. They did this in the Buddies franchise as well, but. Each dog is primarily defined by one personality trait. Mm-hmm. Like Bowie loves sports. Chewy is always hungry because there always has to be one that's always hungry. And Louie is a girl. And as we all know, know, that is the only <laughs> trait that you need is just being the girl. <laughs> <laughs> it made uh, Bowie and Chewy seem like well-rounded characters. Yeah, that's true. I'm not here to criticize children, so I will be brief, but the boy who played Freddy was more enthusiastic than talented. We've watched a lot of goofy kids movies, and this was on the lower end of the scale for me in terms of enjoying an actor doing his work. I felt the same about the the young sister Mm -hmm. and I think we can go ahead and criticize the director I like your style let's not be mean to the kids who were clearly trying 
Mm-hmm. I think this is a problem of direction or maybe just not enough time to do multiple takes and improve. Maybe. I mean, the dialogue itself was super cheesy, but it could have been executed more professionally. It really reminded me of being in elementary school during the D.A.R.E. era Mm -hmm. and going to the cafetorium or whatever situation you had in your school and watching like the local youth group do like a play about the dangers of drinking and driving. (laughs) That was 100% the vibe I got. I was like back in my elementary school cafeteria watching some really enthusiastic kids trying to earnestly tell me something. Oh, gosh. And like skits about how to resist peer pressure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) School gym, youth group, totally. (laughs) What did you think about the look of the show? They definitely had those creepy mouths moving on the dogs when they were actual dogs, which I hate, but again, is central to the Airbuds franchise. It was a weird show. Which episode was it where he falls out the window backwards? Was that was two? that the pilot? Because <laughs> he like that's when he learns to love the ghosts, maybe? Because they were yeah, they they save him. Yeah, that was seriously bad. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and you know, we're laughing about it, but I can't even say it was fun bad. Yeah. It wasn't even campy. No, because it didn't seem to realize. Although I would say some of the adult performances, yes, like they knew what what kind of movie they were in. The Ghost Hunters did yes. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The parents, I don't think so. And again, maybe that was just the direction. What did you think about the CGI? I thought the CGI pups were cute and I was kind of glad they were there because unlike Libby, I wanted to spend the least amount of time I possibly could with those live action dogs with the creepy CGI talking mouths. I thought the CGI ghost pups were cute. I don't know why they didn't just make this whole thing an animated series. I guess just... This is personal preference. Cartoons mixed with live action isn't my favorite. It has to be done in the right way, I guess. Mm -hmm. Again, it was done really well in the original Casper movie, which is from the 90s. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Still looks good. Why was this a series? Why? Do you you have any thoughts? I know. So it came out around Halloween time, right? So it's like for the season... I don't understand why it wasn't a movie either because most seasonal offerings are movies because you watch them like right before the holiday and you don't watch an episode a week leading up to the holiday for 10 weeks or whatever. And I wonder if it was just my bad for misinterpreting the marketing because I really did think that this was going to be Netflix's big push for their new Halloween content. But now that we're slightly closer to Halloween, which listeners, when you hear this, it will just about be Halloween. But now we know that Netflix has the School for Good and Evil and 
The one about the scary home decor. I don't remember the title, but they have like two actual quote unquote big movies that are coming Mm -hmm. out for Halloween. And this is obviously not one of them. Yeah, I don't really know what the production schedule looks like. Do you think that it's possible? I want to be like as charitable as I can. Do you think it's possible that this was like got the green light? They were all set and then maybe their budget was like halved. I don't know who can say what's going on on Netflix. That could <laughs> that could have been the case. They have had some shakeups and with mm-hmm. the uh, loss in viewership or loss in new subscribers. Yeah, mm-hmm. that could have happened. Well, on that charitable note, should we move on to our evergreen questions? Sure. What movie or TV show for grown-ups does this compare to? Okay, it's an HGTV show called Cheap Old Houses. Have mm-hmm. you ever watched it? No. It's this couple and they start a, it's they have a website that like lists properties that are historically significant but really cheap, like under $100,000, I think is their mark. So then the show is like a spinoff of their website. And um, they both have uh, advanced degrees in like historic preservation or something like that. It's been a while since I've watched it. And so they just go and look at these like cool old houses with lots of neat old features. They give controversial advice. Like if you have old glass windows in a 200 year old house, don't replace them. Isn't that kind of a problem if you want to live in the house and like be warm in the winter? Yeah. I mean, where I live in an old house, like the old windows don't really keep anything out yeah (laughs) but at least they're not giving like paint all your sideboards and brick are they are they they like trying to keep the historical character yeah they want to keep the historic details and features preserve them for in perpetuity forever that sounds interesting i have watched and you know it's hgtv so they're all somewhat similar the one that's set in detroit where she goes around buying old houses and then restores them oh yeah i'm a sucker for the historical details what show did you compare it to i was stuck on the ghosts and or characters that only some people can see and others can't so kevin and i have been watching and really enjoying the half-hour sitcom on CBS, Ghosts. It just started its second season, and it is a delight. And it is about a woman who suffers a head injury, and uh, then she can see the ghosts that live in this old house that she's trying to renovate. Okay. Uh, And all the ghosts are, they all have their own personalities. It's it's funny if you get the chance. And then, of course, it made me think of podcast fave, Wilfred. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And Wilfred is not a ghost. He is a dog that only one person sees as a human in a dog suit. But I felt like it was the same in spirit. That is, uh, Wilfred has an influence on my gritty HBO reboot. I just want to say, I think the cheap old houses HGTV people would be like, keep the cobwebs. (laughs) Century old. They're true antiques. And if you get hurt in all your restorations, you can just use them to pack the wound. Oh, (laughs) gross. Too far? Okay. Uh, (laughs) Okay, let's get right to your HBO reboot. Tell me. I want to see like Keenan Thompson, Elijah Wood, and Kate McKinnon in dog costumes playing these phantom pups. (laughs) I think it'd be hilarious. 
Wait, which one would be which? Well, Kate McKinnon would be the girl, <laughs> Louie. I think it's a toss-up. I don't know. I mean, I kind of want Elijah Wood to be Chewy just because he's so skinny and mm-hmm. he's the one that always wants to be eaten. Yeah, I think that would work. I like it. Um, And then there's like a newer SNL cast member, uh, the one whose last name is like LaDukes. Uh, I don't watch any SNL anymore. <laughs> he could uh, definitely play the young boy is that saying something about the quality of his performance on snl maybe oh (laughs) it's okay bud you're new it'll get better (laughs) or they'll kick you off (laughs) so i did not cast everyone but i just the thing is that every episode and i did watch a couple more episodes you did oh my gosh we'll we'll get into it but like every episode (laughs) follows the same format right like I was saying they're phantoms and then for a moment they're real dogs and then they're phantoms again and back and forth and back and forth and they are just stalling their way through these 10 episodes to get Mm -hmm. to the finale and I thought what if that just continued for years and years and years so you age them up, not just to adults, but to like middle-aged adults, and they're still ping-ponging with the same back and forth. So I thought I would like to see Jemaine Clement play Freddy, <laughs> and then Melanie Linsky play Mimi, his little sister. <laughs> uh, I got stuck on who should play Piper, who is the friend, the granddaughter mm-hmm. of the medium, but I did just watch She-Hulk, and yeah. I thought since she's already familiar with bad CGI and she's already familiar with playing multiple characters, we could have Tatiana Malslany play all the pups. Oh, good one. I still haven't seen She-Hulk. If I'm going to recommend a half an hour comedy to you, I will recommend Ghosts. Okay. And that is all I have to say about that. Okay. Do you think it was better when we were kids? It gave me the same look feel that I all like Nickelodeon used to have half hour shows that I loved watching but they weren't good like Hey Dude and Pete and Pete so they like same production value sort of same level of acting but this wasn't as good as those shows that were still pretty bad yeah I mean I think this was very clearly made for kids and watching Mm -hmm. it through the lens of a grown-up like there's nothing there for us which is actually not the norm today anymore Mm -hmm. um I just have to mention it again for the third time in this episode Casper when we were kids was there Mm -hmm. and was good better than this seek it out I love Bill Pullman okay Would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? No. Definitely not. But 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. You said you watched it with Libby. Yeah, I guess I would rather watch this than anything that is truly scary or even scary adjacent. So um, I think if you have younger kids, if you want to watch something that's sort of Halloween-like, it's fine. I hate to say it, but my kids loved this. (laughs) they thought it was hilarious Kenny more so than Jay because I think even my seven-year-old is aging out of it in sophistication but it was a real sweet spot for Kenny he thought it was hilarious and as much as I found it difficult to watch as a grown-up I don't think that there was anything particularly problematic in it that would make me want to steer my kids away from it Mm -hmm. yeah so if you can stand it parents 
I don't think it's a problem for the kids. Ratings? Two. I got to go one, and I'm only giving it a one because my kids liked it. And because the pups were kind of cute in their CGI form. (laughs) Guys, so bad. So bad, but fun to talk about. (laughs) It's been a while since we've done a real stinker. I guess it was about time. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. If you enjoyed our show today, please share it with somebody you think might enjoy it too. You can find us on all the social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at My Screen Time 2, or you can send us an email to myscreentime2 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments about the show. Our website is myscreentime2.com, and our theme music was composed and performed by me and my adorable children, and our podcast is produced by Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV we watch with our kids because we have to, and sometimes because we like to. Bye. Bye.